On today's episode of Tell Me What You Know, we're talking about the skull and bones, and I don't mean the Jolly Roger, Michael. This order at Yale is a secret society for the rich and powerful. We'll cover the founding of the group along with some of its history, jump into the rumor mill for some conspiracy talk. We'll just fill in the gaps that Joshua Jackson and Paul Walker left out. And then, hello, can you hear me? SOS. Yes, we're stranded. We're going to tell you about some famous survival stories from people marooned on an island, trapped at sea, and the circumstances that drive you to eat your frozen best friend. If Michael number one and I are stranded, I'm eating his calf with a side of fava beans and a nice Chianti. This is Tell Me What You Know. What's up, everybody? Today is Monday, June the 1st. This is episode six of season two of Tell Me What You Know. Yeah, this isn't going to like break anybody's minds here. It's not going to be, oh my God, how profound. This is the weirdest fucking year. Like, and I don't mean in terms of everything that's going on. Uh, obviously, I'll, there's just tons of terrible stuff that's happened since January 1st of this year. Yeah. But some things that have happened, it's just the longest year ever. What, like things that have happened in February feel like they happened 18 months ago mm-hmm. and it's already June 1st. Like mm-hmm. it's going by so fast and so slow at the same time mm-hmm. and I can't get my, like wrap my brain around it. Do you ever think back on that episode where you did talking about the, the roaring 20s and kind of... Yes. It is very similar. That was similar. this year. I know. I know. I, I, w- I was talking to, to Scott, one of our coworkers, like two weeks ago about something that happened at a conference that was this year that feels like it was three years ago. Yeah. We packed a whole year into six months, and it's already June first. Yeah, like it's, it's flying I, by. I can't, I can't describe like the how slowly, but how quickly it's going by. Well, the last two months in quarantine feel like they should have just been paused for everybody, but yet the time still passed. Yeah, and everyone's kind of like coming out, like feel like they've been in a coma. Coming out, We're still in it, still in it. Yeah. Although I don't even know, is quarantine over? It feels like it's just kind of over. It feels like like COVID's just like we're just kind of fed up with it. I know. Even though cases, I think, are spiking again. I've been seeing multiple different things. This is going to be an escape. Yeah. We want this to be an escape for you guys. But it has been a weird year. I'm playing golf this weekend. Yeah, we are. I got to play golf. I need to play golf. We're going to hit a white ball into a small hole very far away. That's right. Yeah. Probably a a lot of times. Yeah. It's my first time out in over a year probably. So. I rewatched The Matrix. Ah. Nice. After the virtual reality last week. Yeah. There are just a lot of big holes in it that oh. you just sort of like, maybe not their holes, but there just seem to be like things they didn't fully explain. Like? Like uh, like in the beginning, in the first movie, um, Morpheus- Did you watch all three of them? No, no, no I okay. just watched the first one. But in the very beginning, uh, Morpheus is like, Neo, or not Neo, uh, you know, Keanu. Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Yes. You, you know what the question is. Like, do you know what the question is? And he's like, what is the Matrix? But they don't actually say how, how he ever- found out what this question was. Uh, it seemed like it was he was such a good hacker yeah. that this is like the indication that he would be right. good at fighting the machines with yeah. his brain. I don't know. Just didn't really like piece it all together. Okay. Basically just seemed like really good hackers were were like the the new future soldiers. Anyways. Very good movie though. All right. Yeah. It has so many iconic shots in it. Like, yeah, well and it was like uh groundbreaking stuff. Oh yeah. No, I mean it's a great movie. But there's just a lot of things you're like, oh, why did, why is that? I know I've the seen the other two, but I just don't remember them being very good. They're sort of all the same movie. Yeah. And then the third one is just basically like a big war. Like, okay. they're just fighting the machines. What's there's the one with like the two albino twins? That's the, that they introduced them in the second one. Okay. Reloaded. Yeah. And, and then, then Revolutions. Rev- yeah, Revolutions. Good, great series. Good stuff. Yeah. 
I'm gonna go back and rewatch that as well. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm just gonna watch like Community or something. <laughs> something easy. Yeah, something I can fall asleep to at yeah. night, basically. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into today's topics. Talk a little bit of a uh, little bit about secret societies. Oh, Michael, tell me what you know about the Skull and Bones. Oh, uh, other th- okay. What, what's that? Well, I mean, my mistake going after something that's li- such like so little is known about because. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's like, oh, it's a secret society. Yeah. Like, what can I? Uh, so we're going to talk about like Attention. alleged things right, that they're right. involved with, right? And conspiracies and that kind of shit. Honestly, so much of my connection to it is through that, um, through that movie with Josh Jackson and um, Paul Walker, Pacey, Pacey. Yeah, uh, good movie. What isn't that? The Skulls, Skulls, the Skulls. Yeah, uh, yeah that's kind of how I thought it was. Like you would, um, you'd go to a Ivy League university, but there maybe like Yale, maybe. Yeah, and um, and then you know you would sort of be a big man on campus freshman year, and you'd get like you'd get tapped. I don't know how they tapped. would tap you. I think they actually tap your shoulder. Really? Yes, that's what I assume. That's, that's, that's what, what I'm they assume. Hey, yeah. tap, tap. It's, there's a there's a tap day. Oh. It's like a tap day each spring. Huh? They don't just come to your dorm or wherever you live and like take you. I maybe they, yeah. I don't know. I don't think maybe so. maybe that's later. That's later, probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we, we were both in um, a fraternity. Not that. Same Not, thing. Same kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's all kind of wrapped up in all the I same. I think, like, there's definitely uh, overlaps with, like, secret societies, right? It's like... Well, it's sort of like, it better be cool if it's, <laughs> you know? Like, if it's if it's, if it's it's a meaningless secret, yeah, uh, then it's the lamest thing of all time, right? Right. Or it's just like, oh, it's a secret society, but what it really means is, like, you're rich and powerful and you're, you'll be financially stable for the rest of your days. It's like, crap, right? Right. You're well-connected, mm-hmm. right? And you're going to be better connected now because it's just like, it's like yeah. a, uh, but then isn't it's like a pyramid scheme of power basically. Right, right, right. <laughs> you get three We're, friends to get three friends who like start <laughs> FedEx and then the guy who started the national review and all this other stuff. Right. So wouldn't that mean that the people that started, one of them have to be famous, like or powerful? Well, yes. Right. So otherwise <laughs> you don't, you need to cede the power. Right. I would, I would assume. But well, I guess they weren't yet, but maybe they were destined for greatness, right? Eventually. A group of people that were like coming together with a common yeah. goal of achieving power. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know much too much about it other than, yeah, I think some presidents have might have been... Uh, Three. Uh, ...connected to the Skull and Bones. Yeah. Um, maybe even like as much as, I think, George W. Bush even. Yep. Um, and probably his dad. Correct. Um, his grandfather as well. And grandfather. So yeah, I mean, there's... It's sort of it proliferates the whole idea that there's like a group of people that are pulling strings, doing stuff that probably it probably exists to some extent, but they're probably way less powerful than people give them credit for. That's what they want you to think. Maybe you're just falling into the new world order trap. Maybe, yeah. All, all right. these con- all these uh, um, conspiracy theories, That's right? It's just seeding. So much fun. I mean, that is probably one of the biggest. Well, I was actually going to do this as a topic, but. Um, uh, yeah, the conspiracy theory, like that some woman who just got elected to office, I think to the Senate or is running to run, is in this current race mm-hmm. for the Senate in Oregon, I think, um, is a believer in, I forget what they call themselves, but a core tenet of, of this belief started on 4chan and these random forums about like some underground society running everything. Mm. And that's what it's like pushing back against. Gotcha. We got to get rid of these global elites right billionaires plutocracy yeah yeah i don't know that's pretty good uh so the skull and bones aka the order 
not to be confused with Calf Cap Alpha Order. <laughs> the Order, Order Three Twenty Two, Brotherhood of Death, or the Elite Society for the Powerful. Those are those some some AKAs for the Skull and Bones. It was founded at Yale, nineteen thirty-two. Mm. Uh, there was a dispute between debate societies over uh, that season's Phi Beta Kappa Awards, which is like the science awards, I okay. guess, right? So um, the three groups were Linonia Brothers in Unity and the Calliopean Society. There was an argument, and so there was some breakoffs, I guess. And two guys, William Huntington Russell and Alfonso Taft, co-founded Order of the Skull and Bones. Alfonso Taft, father of William Howard Taft. Okay, I was going to my next question. President, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, he was also uh, Secretary of War under U- uh, Ulysses S. Grant, and then his son was later President of the United States. So those are the three presidents: Taft, and then both Bushes. Okay. Part of the Skull and Bones. Uh, Russell, William Huntington Russell, had spent some time in Germany and like around European universities who had these secret societies that kind of mimicked the Enlightenment era Illuminati. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he like was just like, oh, these are awesome. And so when he came back, he decided to start one. There were 14 members at inception. And it's the oldest senior class secret society at Yale and part of the big three. The other two are Scroll and Key and the Wolf's Head Society. Okay. So Scroll and Key. Yep. They do their business in a building called the Tomb. It is a windowless building on in New Haven. I don't know if it's on campus or not. I'm not sure how that would work. But anyway, uh, windowless. Uh, it was not much is known about it. It was broken into by a rival society in the 1800s, and they said that like the windowless walls were draped in black and red velvet, and there were pentagram symbols everywhere and all that kind of stuff. Like uh, blah, blah blah, the devil, Satan, mm-hmm. worshiping death. Mm-hmm. They do have a lot of like funeral stuff there like a lot of skulls some real some fake apparently like it's just part of the whole thing they're doing skull and bones right that's about all that's known about the building that i could find <laughs> you do a topic on a secret society you might not find a lot of some places <laughs> a lot of rumors another physical, lot of dead ends right another physical piece of property they have is deer island which is an island in the saint lawrence river in new york uh it was a like a place like for them to do retreats and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's basically ruins now. Uh, one person said it's a dump, but it's beautiful, that kind of thing. So I guess it's still secluded and secretive, but there's not much there. Uh-huh. Members. The members of the Skull and Bones are known as Bonesmen, members of the Order, or initiated to the Order. Okay. There was a quote by a guy. Uh, I don't know. Excuse me. His name is Lanny Davis. I don't know if he was a member or not. I don't think he was. I don't know if they let somebody name Lanny. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe some of these other names. Alfonso? Come on. <laughs> yeah, Lanny Davis, he's, a, he's an American political operative. Uh, he went to Yale, so I'm guessing he was part of the Skull and Bones. But he said, and this is a little bit antiquated, so there's, he said, if the society had a good year, this is what the ideal group would consist of. Mm. A football captain, mm-hmm. a chairman of the Yale Daily News, a conspicuous radical, a Whiffenpoof, which is an acapella member of like they're, they're, they're the Whiffenpoofs, I guess. Okay. A swimming captain, a notorious drunk with a 94 average, a filmmaker, a political columnist, a religious group leader, a chairman of the lit, a foreigner, a ladies man with two motorcycles, an ex-service man, a black person. And if there was enough to go around, a guy nobody else in the group had heard of ever. Just throw him in there. It's super like, okay, it's just like they're, they're going to have like a token guy in, the, in the, the group as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it's certainly judgy, yeah, right? Like, I mean, sure. they're, they're certainly, uh, do you know who my father is type of guys? Right. Um, yeah. Is, is that about the size they'd be looking for? Like a Fif- dozen? So they got 15 
at least now they do 15 each. So spring of junior year, you would be tapped for the next year. Mm -hmm. It's a senior society, right? I think the idea there is that for undergraduates, you come back and you might, you're around people on campus, you might spill secrets more. Whereas if you do it just your senior year, you're you're gone. gone. You're removed from the campus environment a little bit, I guess as well. Okay. That's kind of, I mean, I get that. Yeah. From the secretive standpoint. Yeah. Um, from the movie, the bone, uh, yeah, yeah. he was, he was, um, the, like a champion rower, rower, yeah. his crew, he rode crew. Right. Um, that kind of and thing. they were like, the Winklevoss twins would the, probably be exactly skull and bones. Oh, I, oh, like he won the race after like having lost a guy. He had to like, he broke his oar and then he yeah. had to like get overboard and then Pacey like, recruit him into the Charlie Conway. <laughs> yeah. Just calling by all of his yeah. characters names. Um, any case, the uh, the two guys in blazers were very impressed in the right. stands watching. Um, they were scouting. <laughs> they were scouting. Crew match. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, yeah, it's certainly a well-rounded bunch. Or, well, right. well homogenous right. well-roundedness. Yes. But they all seem to be um, ambitious. Well, that just sounded like a line from Animal House. I yeah, like. totally. A ladies' man with two motorcycles. Two motorcycles. <laughs> what is <laughs> How old was that guy when he said that? When you said I, it was antiquated, what did you? Well, I just meant he's like the, the black guy, basically. Like, oh, yeah, just like, like that a kind token. Of thing, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, it's exclusive to seniors. I said that 15 men and, and now women. So 1992, they had their first, they started allowing women into the school. Oh, school really? Boats. Yeah. So in 90, so back in the 70s, they had actually tapped, I think, two or three women to be part of one of the classes. And they said, no, this is a bad class. We're not going to listen to them. And they just kind of like the alumni said, no, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. In 91, they tapped seven women to be to be part of the Skull and Bones. Again, caused problems with the alumni association, uh, or, or with some of the alumni, I guess. A lot of them wanted it to remain men only. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the trust that like owns the property and all the other stuff uh, changed the locks to the tombs, that kind of thing. So like they had to meet elsewhere. There was a mail-in vote by members to decide whether or not they were going to allow women into the into the club, uh, and it passed three sixty eight three twenty in favor of allowing them, but. Uh, they got a some like a group of alumni got a temporary restraining order saying that you know changes in the bylaws would have to actually be made before this can happen. So they like blocked it again, and then finally later that year they did another vote. It passed again. They just dropped the lawsuit, started allowing women in. They're very procedural. Yeah. Yeah. Very bureaucratic. Right. No, we got to change the bylaws. Oh, hey. Yeah. Nope. Push it. Right. Uh, now I don't know how true this is, but when I was reading about like what you had to do to get in that mm-hmm. kind of thing, I'm sure there's way more than what is listed here, but you know, you have to swear allegiance to your fellow bonesmen. <laughs> you have to lay in a coffin for a rebirthing ceremony. Okay. Uh, reveal your entire sexual history in great detail. Okay. I don't know what purpose that serves. Yeah. And then in return, your you know, lifelong financial stability, that kind of thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's what you're getting back. Mm-hmm. And you know, friendship. Mm, right. <laughs> right. Uh, but I'm sure there's like, I don't know, like in the movie, they had to kill a guy or something, right? I'm not saying they're out there murdering, but... Well, they did kill that guy. Oh, right. He, they didn't have to. He just died. It was Pacey's friend who was, like, investigating them. And then, um, yeah, he just... He didn't mean to kill him, but, like, Paul Walker, whose dad was, like, the head of the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. organization sure, at the right. time, um, was, like, going to cover it up or whatever. Yeah, and, Paul Walker was yeah. a bad guy in that one, right? Kind of. His he, dad was so, the bad His guy. dad was the ultimate bad guy, yeah. but Paul Walker was sort of a bad guy. He was a remorseful bad guy. Right. He, he was yeah. just being bossed around by his daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. So then we get into some lore. Yeah. The insignia of, of the skull and bones is a skull with two crossbones behind it. It's basically like a Jolly Roger. But underneath it, there's a, the number is 322. 322. 
So some think, I guess it's, it's a rumor, I guess, but I think it's pretty accurate is that it relates to the year 322 BC, which is the year that the Greek orator Demosthenes died. Okay. Okay. So, uh, 322 BC, uh, marked the end of the, uh, the Lemian, Lemian war, Lemian war. And, and like Greeks, Greece at like that area. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know my history very well. So if I pronounce that wrong, sue me. Uh, Demosthenes died there, and then what happened was uh, the Athenians dissolved their government, and a plutocratic system took over. So you could only be part of this uh, country, where you could only be a citizen if you had at least two thousand drachmas, so like at least a certain amount of currency. Mm-hmm. So this implies that the group's belief is that you know America should follow suit and just surrender the responsibilities of government to the wealthy, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, they've been rumored to steal keepsakes from you know rival societies and some other folks as well uh they apparently are so like the, the rumors that they've stolen the skulls of martin van buren of Pancho villa and of geronimo uh it said that george bush's grandfather hw's father prescott bush mm-hmm. uh was the grave robber who stole geronimo's skull and this actually the the ancestors of geronimo opened a lawsuit against the skull and bones uh they lost but they they sued i guess they sued like yeah. The skull went missing. They uh, skull that was the rumor, the, and yeah. they sued. Right. Hmm. Like we mentioned, it's often associated with a new world order, uh, global conspiracy for world control, mm-hmm. the powerful, the elite, all that kind of stuff. Right. It's also rumored there may be a branch of the Illuminati, so it's just another arm of the Illuminati. Uh, and then there's also the thought that the Skull and Bones runs the CIA. <laughs> they have two CIA, like two. They had two prominent CIA members. Right. Uh, three presidents, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I I just think it's a. I think it's somewhat far fetched. I think it's sort of like, hey, I was a part of this this society. It's kind of cool that people um, think it's probably more powerful and interesting than it is. Right. But I'm sure that to some extent, it's nice to have that network of people. Right. Like just yeah. by nature of, hey, I was in this society. That means. And 15 isn't very many people uh, per, right. per class. Right. And wouldn't you say 1832 was when it was founded? Yes. 1832? Correct. Um, so Nine, sorry, 19... Th- it's got to be 1832. It's got to be 1832, yeah, right? Yeah, I said the wrong date there. 1832. 1832. So, so yeah, it's got to be, you know, you've, you've got hundreds of living members. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if they're, if they're really well connected, it must be really nice to be able to just make a um yeah but i'm sure there are a ton of other societies and often at yale and then you know i was i was watching social network recently and they were you know that whole thing started at the beginning about the their social clubs that right got to get into the persimian or whatever yeah at harvard um and those probably have the same kinds of things right like hey your your dad works at goldman sachs For and sure. like you know um, but uh, yeah, to if think I need to go to Savannah, I could probably call somebody and get a job. Or something. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, to think that it's probably like starting a new world order or somehow like, or somehow in the back of their minds, if they're working at the CIA, they're actually like looking out for the skull and bones. Like, I don't really know. You're starting to sound a lot like you're in a secret society right now, Michael. You're pl- downplaying it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's the case. No. There's no way they would do that. No. Let me see your hands. You got any rings on? No. Uh, my new whoop strap. Just your whoop strap? My whoop strap. Well, I'll, I'll close it out with just a few uh, notable members. In addition to both Bushes and Tafts, so the three presidents that we mentioned, John Kerry. Hmm. Yep. Uh, Paul Giamatti. 
Hey, they had to get the token uh, drama geek. That's right. Yeah, he was a filmmaker, probably, yeah. right? Um, you had William F. Buckley, who was uh, the Republican commentator, editor of the National Review. He's actually one that led the, uh, the what's not the lawsuit, the restraining order that I mentioned earlier. He was mm-hmm. kind of in charge of that. Um, two Supreme Court justices, Morrison Waite and Potter Stewart. We had Frederick Wallace Smith, Smith, who founded FedEx. Um, William Camp, the godfather of American football. So a lot of notable names there. Hmm. Would you ever power us, player? Would you join a secret society if they if they tapped you? Uh well, so I think like even now, like I'm pretty sure, like in my hometown, I think there's like a I don't know if they call it a secret society, but there's like a a group of of guys mm-hmm. who are part of something right right and i think like some of my friends are in it i don't know anything about it i don't know what they do i don't it would it would i would need to know what the purpose of the situation was right right if right. it's just like i don't know like if it's just like guys hanging out well i mean could, there's got to be some there's got to be some purpose to it right to some extent could you could you think that like i don't know being a member of a golf club um could be a member of a secret society in some ways like i feel well it's not like secret yeah, but there's it's certainly but like the higher you go, put the like put Augusta National at the top sure. of the list, and then you know your local muni private clubs or whatever. Right. Um, there's certainly like uh, exclusivity to it. Yeah. The whole thing is about exclusivity, right. To me, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, so I, I remember at Georgia there was a I forget what the secret society was called, but there was one. There was one. Virginia that? has one. Yeah, I don't know. we weren't we weren't cool sevens or something. There's there they got Chapel Hill. They have like yeah. these houses they're called houses i think yeah you got the lodge and you got uh the castle the castle <laughs> and the lodge <laughs> i've been to one of them i can't remember which one i went to but so is the idea that like but it's i mean that's I, I don't know what they do other than like it's just a place where you can go and have parties and stuff right but it's like uh it's made up of people from all different fraternities or whatever like that right so mm-hmm. it's not just like you're here you do this it's like i don't know yeah but not everybody gets in there either yeah yeah i mean it sounds kind of like it'd be nice to have the the hookups right but it's sort of like kind of kind of outdated lame. yeah it's a little outdated yeah but anyways no that's a good topic yeah don't uh do a topic on secret societies it's tough <laughs> it's, it's tough yeah yeah nothing that cool it's like oh maybe they did this i thought the geronimo school thing was kind of cool yeah that's pretty cool yeah um i would assume people would go to that island and like yeah i don't know i think they still own it so i don't think you can go i think you have to like be yeah. a member to go out there Right, right. No, and, yeah, private property, but the people still go out there. I think you have to make a trip as like a freshman or yeah. or, or a freshman scholar, like a senior, but the first year in type thing. Yeah, you go out there, and there's some like tree trunk that's there, and it looks like nothing. And yeah, you like move something, it right. opens up, and, and there's it. a dude in a robe, and he's like, "I'm just kidding," like hands you a bottle of vodka. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's all uh, about drinking. That's right. Yeah, skull and bones. One thing I learned this week is that Apple's AirPods mm-hmm. generated $12 billion in revenue in 2019. Uh, so, I mean, it's like a silent... $12 billion? It's like a silent dominating product yeah. in its space. That is $12 billion is more revenue than Twitter, Snapchat, Shopify, and Spotify combined. So that is just Apple putting out something they... It's one ba- product. It's one product of theirs that is almost just like an accessory. Yeah. It does more revenue than all those other companies you find and with a much better profit margin i'm sure yeah how crazy is that that's nuts that was a long time hater of airpods so was i yeah and then i got them the other they're pretty great yeah i have them now i wear them everywhere yeah 
I'm that guy. But I didn't realize it was that big. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. <laughs> That's what happened. They're on the, like, the, what, the fourth generation. I don't know. They've got, now they've got what, are the, what are they, noise canceling now and shit? Yeah. No. I have the ones that'll charge wirelessly, but I don't have a way mm. to do that. Oh, so, you don't have one of those little pads? Do you have one of those? No. Yeah, I was going to say. I'll just plug it in. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> it was just paying for something that I don't even have access to. Yeah. It was dumb, but. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I learned this week is actually two things. Uh, I miss sports. I didn't learn that. I miss sports. Yeah. Um, this might be a bit contrived, but whatever. I was looking up some crazy sports facts. I was just kind of reading some articles and stuff. And I have two of them. Do you know who the all-time leader in assists is in the NBA? Steve Nash. John Stockton. Hmm. John Stockton, all-time leader in assists, 15,806. Second place, Jason Kidd with just over 12,000. Steve Nash. Sorry, Steve Nash. Uh, uh, John Stockton. Stockton could have sat out every minute of every game of the last six seasons and still be the, the record holder. For That's assists. insane. Yeah. Who was he dishing the ball to other than Carl Malone that was making points? Greg Ostertag. Jeff, Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> Jeff Hornacek. Greg Ostertag. Yeah. I, that's a crazy amount of, of, yeah. of, of, of assists. Yeah. Because, I mean, God, he was a powerhouse then. Cause yeah, he was awesome. Where is Nash on that list? Uh, I don't know. Kid, kid is second. Or at least Kid was second. 3,000... Assists fewer. Yeah. 3,800 assists fewer. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. It's nuts. Yeah. I do like a guy who like focuses on assists. Oh, he knew his role, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, secondly, as we're going over to baseball for this one, mm-hmm. and Barry Bonds' 2004 MVP season, uh, he reached base safely more times than he registered in at bat. Because he got walks many times? Right. So, you know, walks, hit by pitches, sacrifices don't count as at bats. Uh-huh. Uh, he was walked 232 times that season. Wow. More than half of them were intentional walks. He was hit by a pitch nine times and he had 135 hits. Wow. So it's 376 times on base. He only registered 373 at bats that season. That's insane. Yeah. So technically, technically, he was on, yeah, technically, he was on base more than he was at the plate. I mean, if you look at the stats. That's great. I mean, that's about as many bat bats you'd get at like what ninety or hundred games. It's a lot if you divide it by what three or f- probably four bats a game. Four, yeah, yeah. Wow, guy was a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was also just like a juice head. A juice head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you still got to hit the ball. That's true. No, I mean yeah. he was incredible. Yeah. Wow. Barry Bonds. <laughs> John Stockton. A little sports facts for you. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Michael, tell me what you know about being stranded. <laughs> uh, I had to come up with a catch-all term. Well, it's funny you should say that. Other than you, I feel like I've been stranded for the last while. But I guess being I don't stranded, mean in the quarantine. Okay. S- lost. Everybody feel bad away. for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, being stranded. Well, you can be stranded. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can be stranded at sea. Mm-hmm. You could be stranded in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. You could be stranded. Well, that's probably the only two I can think of. An island. Not necessarily at sea. Maybe okay. that's what you meant. Yes, on a deserted island. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, you got to figure out how to survive. Got to figure it out. So I think, well, if I was stranded like on an island, I would probably just die. You think so? You wouldn't try it? Would you give it a Yeah, would you I would give try, it a college try? Like, I don't know if I could make, make a fire. You don't think you could? If I have nothing? I think you could. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I maybe what I'll would like be, try. What would be your <laughs> in your thinking through right now? Clear minded. Okay, what's my what, what are my surroundings? You're on an island. Okay. Uh, the island's got trees. Yeah. You're on the castaway island. Okay. That's all. That's all. Uh, do I have trees. Do I have like wreckage from the plane? Uh, sure. Okay, so I would find some glass and I'll try to use that as like a magnifying glass. Yeah. To start like some kindling. Yeah. Yeah. That could work. That'd be my my main go to. Uh huh. Uh, also, I'm gonna go home and buy a pack of waterproof matches and just have money at all times now. Everywhere, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, I don't even know how if I could like catch. I guess I would like fashion a, a some kind of stake, some kind of spear type mm-hmm. thing, and mm-hmm. either either go fishing or try and catch some random animals on the island. Uh-huh. Some uh huh. Crabs or something. But mostly, it would be I would just try and like make as much smoke as possible, right? You'd maybe just burn the island down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've always wondered how that that wouldn't cross your mind if you were Tom Hanks on that island. Well, I think you, just burn this you whole need thing some down. cover, right? So if you if it gets too out That's of hand, no, and it burns, let's say it burns in a day, and then nobody sees you, that day, sees you yeah, you're, you're really done. screwed. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're definitely done. Yeah, but I thought that would always be a good idea. Yeah, like a lot of smoke. Yeah, I would start spelling out big words on the beach. Mm-hmm. You yeah. did that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. All right, well, Is there like a rule book for it? Well, we'll get to all that. Yeah, okay. But let's talk about, I've got five famous castaways and people lost and like stories of survival, basically. Okay. All right. So the one that inspired the book, Robinson Crusoe yeah. by Daniel Defoe. Right. Uh, he, this was written in the 1800s or late 1700s, <clears throat> uh, or sorry, um, the book was written in like 1715, but the rescue of this guy happened in 1709. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was Alexander Selkirk. He was Scottish. He spent four years and four months on an island. Um, he notched the days into the tree, that so he like, kind of passed the time. Um, he would like go into the into the forest. He'd like hunt things. He was like there were some feral goats that lived on the island, yeah. and he would kill some of them, and then he would also chase them around. Uh, after a while, he would just chase them kind of for fun. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> um, he got stranded there because he had a disagreement with the captain of the ship he was on. Uh, about the seaworth the seaworthiness of the ship after they stopped at this island to get supplies. Yeah, uh, I guess like the wood was starting to rot, and he was kind of like, "You guys have overloaded the boat with with cargo." Like, and then they were like, "We'll just get off," and they just like marooned him there. They just left him. Uh-huh. Um, so there so, were supplies on that island. I guess like wood and stuff. Wood and stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, basic stuff. But you'd have to know, you know, have like a discerning eye right. to be like, "Oh, I could use this," or I could. You have to get creative. Sounds like this guy knew what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than. He didn't really, in his story, do anything that was like crazy, right? Um, I th- I'm pretty sure he he when they picked him up, he was having trouble speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when he got back to um, back to Europe, like he's kind of like a um, a famous figure at that point. And yeah. then it kind of his story inspired Robinson Crusoe. Okay. And all from there, so that's kind of like an old one. Um, there was this woman, Juana Maria. Uh, she was Native American stranded on an island of uh, San Nicolas off the coast of California okay. in uh, early 1830s. So in 1835 is when she was stranded. She was stranded there for 18 years. 18 years. How far off the coast is this thing? That's what I was Not wondering. That's what I was, see, I, I was wondering this as well. It seemed kind of like you could kind of make it back to California. I feel like, like you it, could see the land. Yeah. If you're on, if you're on like Catalina, I think that's like six miles. Yeah, I don't know. That's a hell of a swim, oh, but yeah. but you got to risk it, right? Just don't go the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, definitely see the the coast on a clear day. Yeah, uh, she lived in a cave, uh-huh. and she hunted birds, seals, and she passed the time weaving baskets. 
Uh, she was saved by a Captain George Nidever. Uh-huh. And um, I guess she was happy to be finally saved. But then uh, the diet of being back on the mainland wasn't good for her. And she oh. died of dysentery two months after being saved. So, Oh, man. She really became accustomed Too to... Too much processed foods and she got back. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, then you got this guy. This is a crazy story. Um, Salvador Alvarenga. Okay. He's Mexican. Uh-huh. Uh, he spent 438 days at sea on a 25-foot fishing boat made out of, like, um, plastic. Like a um, yeah. kind of like a modern boat, okay. but like not a nice fishing boat. Yeah, it was him and and one of this other guy. He ate him. He didn't eat him. He didn't eat him. Uh, he talked to him while he was dead for six days because he was like kind of hallucinating, and then he kind of came to and realized he was talking to his dead friend who was like turning blue and this whole thing, and he dumped him overboard. Yeah, um, you have to. I feel like yeah. He, he basically, they were fishing off the coast of Mexico. A storm came by, knocked out their communication, knocked out their engine. They didn't have a sail, so there was nothing they could do. And so they just started floating. They floated all the way to the Marshall Islands in the Pacific. Wow. 6,000 miles. So four people even, it was so incredible. People kind of think he's making it up. Yeah. But he did tell the story. And this was it's recent. kind of been fabricated. It's not that, Ish. yeah. Yeah, it's not that old. It was in, um, I think he was found in like 2012. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's not that not that old. Um, they All he had for shelter, like if you're out on the water, like you you got to get out of the sun. Yeah. That's going to kill you right. faster than anything. Um. They had a ice box they were using for the fishing boat, like for the fish they would catch. So they kind of like flipped that over and would just kind of like huddle under it. Finally, they would they drank their urine. Yeah. Uh, they finally had some rain at some points, and then fish would actually come around and, and actually like out there in the ocean. They would use the boat as like a place to land, just to um, you know, for the for, for the. Um, you got this. Birds. Okay. For the birds to just like stop flying around. So they yeah. were just like, oh, this is a nice place to land. I'm just going to rest here ah. on this boat. So then they would just catch the bird and go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so now we're going to- fish. Yes, birds. Gotcha. Yeah, birds. Okay. Birds, not fish. Um, talk about the Uruguayan rugby team that yeah. was on uh, a plane going from Montevideo to Santiago, Chile. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ate people. They did eat people. Sure. Uh, this was chronicled in the film Alive with mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke. Have you seen this movie? No, but there's a really good book called Miracle in the Andes uh, yes. that I have if you want to read it. Yes. I might, actually. It's, really uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, have you read the book? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you've got it, but maybe you got it as a gift and you were just like, oh, this is interesting. And you never read it. Nope. nope. Got a, I got a lot of books like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the co-pilot of this plane thought that they were reached their destination and they just were, he was wrong. They came, they descended, and then crashed in the mountains, basically. Yeah. Um, 45 people on board, 11 died in the, cr- in the crash. Uh, there was some early search efforts, but they couldn't see the plane because it was, it was a white winter. plane. It was, it, was, it was winter going into spring, I think, right? Yes. So there's definitely still snow, but it was, yeah. but it warmed up towards the end because they were up there for how, I can't remember how long it was now, but, um, they were up there for, um, uh, where is that in the notes? I was. I think it was like six weeks. Yeah. Oh, and the and uh, the cool part about it as well is they had like a team photographer with them, so they have like pictures and everything, like colored yeah. like color photographs, of like the whole thing, basically. That's crazy. Yeah. They I use mean, the plane as shelter, I think, for they, a lot of it. They use the plane as shelter, but then um, how many days? In, Seventeen days after the crash, an avalanche came yep. and killed uh, eight eight more people. Yeah. Um, and then two guys hiked up a mountain. I don't know why they went up the mountain, but then they ended up. Basically, walking for um, 
like 10 days and walking into Chile and getting help and then getting the people mm-hmm. out. Um, so yeah, 45 people on board. Um, well, I think if you you go up the mountain there because it's it's a lot. If you go down the mountain into Argentina right there, yeah, there's just nothing. So is it maybe so they were going to go It's probably up. closer to go over the mountains into Chile. Chile is super thin country, right? Yeah. So that would be my guess at least. Yeah. No, I, that actually makes sense. For yeah. some reason, I thought when I was reading about it, it made it seem like they went to the top to like look for somebody, yeah. maybe like try to find help yeah. or like signal. Um, but no, that makes more sense. They went over the mountain and down yeah. into Chile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they probably, I think it took them like 10 days they were gone and then they came back. Two, like, I, so it was two of the, the rugby players, yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a crazy, crazy story. Trapped at 11,700 feet. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of ways you could die in that. Um, and they, yeah, like we said, they, they were, they ate their teammates and stuff yeah, like yes. that. Yes. Cannibal. Yeah. Uh, they, they had to, they, there was like a lot of debate about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then they finally were like, this is the only way we can survive. People. Yeah, they were like eight their friends and family, basically. Yeah, yeah it's written by uh, Nando Parado, who's like a really interesting guy as well. So I, even if you don't read the book, look up Nando Parado because he's yeah a super cool guy. Definitely look into that more. Yeah. I always thought that that would have been an interesting topic. And this next one, there's actually a lot to it as well. Okay. Um, I'm just going to touch on like the high-level points. Uh, the Donner Party. Mm. Uh, Donner Party is sort of a uh, – they were going west, Oregon Trail style, coming from, from the Midwest, like Kansas, going up to Northern California – um, and yeah, this is a tale of survival going west. It was 87 members, 48 survived. There was claims that the cannibalism didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It, I guess it did happen. Yeah. Uh, and it was in the 1840s. This happened in between 1846 and 1847. Uh, it was also the, the Mexican-American War was going on during this time. Yeah. And so there, after this, there was like a, a, a much less people started moving west, but I think it was mostly because of the Mexican-American War. Not mm-hmm. necessarily because of the stories of the Donner Party, but right. they definitely freak people out. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go out in the West and now we're going to be eating each other. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, there are, are being stranded Stranded is is a huge fear for people. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's there is sort of like this romantic aspect to it, but man, would that be tough. Yeah, you read books like, uh, I was like Hatchet. Hatchet. <laughs> yeah, My Side of the Mountain. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Any Gary Paulson novel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll survive. That's like, that's like token reading for any like yeah teenager. Right. Yeah, that and the Hardy Boys and all those. They did a book report on on Hatchet like five years in a row. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great book. He wasn't that in a plane crash. He, yeah, kid, I think it was a kid and his dad. I think maybe. Yeah, his dad or has like a heart he, attack. Yeah, and he just had his Hatchet. Yeah, I can't remember. They yeah. all blend together. That one, like My Side of the Mountain, as well. It was a bunch yeah, that's of like, a good one. adventure survival yeah. stories. Um. All right. Well, let's touch on how to survive a, de- a deserted island. Let's do it. All right. So the Boy Scouts have this phrase. It's it's a acronym. Be prepared. Stop. Oh. First, stop. Okay. S is for stop. It's <laughs> a good one. T is for think. Uh huh. O observe, and P plan. Okay. Stop. Those are the things. All right. So the first thing you want to do is you got to find water. Yes. So the body can survive for three weeks without food. You'll die. You'll die of dehydration in three or four days. Okay. So you got to find fresh drinking water, rainwater. But like, yeah, if you're on an island, um, can't drink seawater. That's no. going to dehydrate you faster than mm-hmm. anything. Uh, so you, you got to find a way to, to desalinate it. Next thing you should do is find shelter. Okay. Uh, you said three weeks without eating? Three weeks without eating. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to be a fun three weeks. No. But um, you're probably 
hallucinate at some point, but at some point, I think your body will just convert over to like consuming all the Storing fat in your body, fat, yeah. and you're just basically just trying to survive. Yeah, I would probably bet the last week there, you're, you're just, probably not doing much. Yeah. Um, shelter next, or yeah, shelter. So one way you can do this would be kind of easy. Maybe to find like a log that had been a tree had fallen over. Use that log and like prop it up against another tree, mm-hmm. and then find smaller branches, and then uh, kind of create the triangle of yeah. like a tent, mm-hmm. and then uh, cover with fo- foliage. Yeah, and just kind of do that. That's one way. They 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 said that it would probably be better to make some form of a, uh, a TP type style hut for longer ah. stays. But if you need to like create fast shelter. That's a good way to do it. Yeah, uh, that can get you through the night, or maybe like while you're doing something more complex, you can use this to sleep for a few days. Okay, but you got to stay dry and and protected from the elements. And you, and you also need a place that you can rest and get sleep, and you know, right, recuperate. Yes. Um. Next thing you should probably do is build fire. Uh-huh. Uh You kind of mentioned on this one. Yeah, you could focus the the rays of the sun. With maybe a magnifying glass, if you if you had a magnifying glass, yeah, or maybe, some maybe glass. or yeah, some glass. Maybe you had glasses. Maybe mm-hmm. um, in the movie The Edge, they talked about like if, if there's ice around, you could take some some snow and like mm. mold it into a lens, and maybe try to do that with really? your hands. Kind of interesting. I mean, okay. kind of got to go fast Bear there. Grills. Yeah. End up drinking your own pee. I'm no pretty time. sure. I think Bear Grills might have done something with the glass and the snow. Anyways. Huh. Um, I think probably the easiest way to do it would probably, it might not be the easiest, but certainly you're not trying to focus the sun rays and like having to deal with shade and whatnot. Yeah. Just, this is just basically like using your own, uh, friction, friction and power. But yeah. You use like a soft wood log and then, uh, carve a, um, like a, a trough, trough, a little trough in it and then fill that with tinder yeah. and then get another stick and just start rubbing in there. So you got to keep it so that the air can get to it. Right. And then when you start seeing smoke, like go down and blow a little, bit. blow a little bit mm-hmm. and coax it up and then more build the fire from there, add more and more. So that's probably the easiest way it to, sounds to easy. build some fire. Yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty easy. It might take a couple hours, Yeah. but I think it's, it's an easy thing to wrap your head around. Yeah. Doing. Uh, and then from there, probably the next thing you got to find some food. Right. So I think that'd be hard. I think I would, I'd be so worried about like, eating something I shouldn't and then all of a sudden now I've got like a fever I've got like mm-hmm. I'm, my stomach's upset yeah it's probably safe <laughs> just staying with like with animals probably maybe some leaves maybe but like it'd be really helpful I think if you had a, a discerning eye to be like oh that's that's not something you want to eat and the stuff yeah. you can eat oh that berry looks delicious well it's gonna murder you yeah don't yeah. eat it yeah um but yeah okay so one question I had, I want to see what you think about this. Do you think there's someone out there stranded right now? Not a not uh not an American. I feel like we would know, right? Maybe. If they're stranded and we don't know about it, they just got stranded, I think. You think? Yeah. Do you think there's any human out there living on a deserted island? Deserted. Yeah, like, ma- like for marooned. Sure. marooned I mean, I who's think. to say that the the Malaysian flight Three, whatever it was, is not just on an island somewhere. That's a great point, Michael. I don't know. That's a great Nobody point. knows where they went. Think about them. It's either that or the Langoliers from Stephen King's novel got them. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. Just as likely. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I think I'm probably putting the odds at maybe 10%. Maybe higher. 
Yeah. I don't know. That there's one person. One stranded. person somewhere, someplace that it needs help. Well, I mean, that definitely is. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, stranded on a deserted island. And has been there for a certain, like for a extended period of time. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know which way I'm, I'm yes. gambling. Oh. Um, truth or myth? NASA. Myth. NASA gives cyanide tablets to astronauts in case they become marooned or they're floating around in space and can't get back to the ship. I'm going to say that's true. Not in America, it's not true. But Carl Sagan kind of always proliferated this idea. Yeah. Uh, even it was put in the movie Contact. Yeah. But Jim Lovell, uh, who had done missions to the, to the moon, have said he was never given cyanide tablets. But the Russians, mm-hmm. they did. Okay. Um, somebody went on a moonwalk and uh, said that they did have cyanide tablet. They so like if you're you get let go somehow, yeah, you just yeah. But uh, NASA, this guy kind of made this point that like the cyanide tablet probably wouldn't be the best way to go anyways. No, you you're up in space. Like supposedly it's not. It, <laughs> when I read this, it was like the guy was saying it's really not that bad of a death. You pretty much just open, you asphyxiate, and you're you're basically unconscious in a few seconds. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad. That's what he said. I don't know. I think, in ways I think to it, go. Well, you'll never know because <laughs> yeah, well, nobody's going to tell you how it went. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. How did that go for yeah. you? <laughs> it wasn't that bad. No, you know, it actually just kind of fell asleep. It wasn't bad at Way all. Way better than the cyanide tablets. Way better. Well, the, yeah, supposedly the cyanide tablets take twice as long to kill you and you're yeah. like choking on cyanide. I, I would prefer not cyanide. Yeah, I just don't, I'm not going to go to space. Um, yeah. Sorry, Elon. <laughs> I am not in. Way to go, Elon. Yeah. Taking those astronauts back to the space station way to go he's really doing it yeah let's let's go to mars um would you rather be stranded in the wilderness or on a deserted island Mm. how did i get there plane crash yes you're fine you're okay yeah like maybe you got some scratches but you know broken bones yeah Uh, well I feel like the wilderness, like, I, like what's at play here? Like, okay, deserted island, you're not going to be cold, I would imagine. Right. Probably I mean, I'm sure cold. there are islands that are cold, but I just don't picture that when you said that. Right, right. So to worry about heat stroke, right? So yeah, I, you're not like off the coast of Nova Scotia. Right. I don't something. need to find my carry-on and like hope that I have an extra jacket in there, you know? It's <laughs> right. just like, okay, well, I have what I have on and right. I can like, hmm. Yeah, there's probably no bears on islands either. Right. Less wildlife that can murder you, I think, on islands. Probably. Probably. Yeah. But when you're swimming, there may be some sharks. Not going to swim. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go ankle deep and catch some fish. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say island, I think. Island. I also think just the... Well, God, the ocean's so vast as well. Well, if you were on the island, do you think you would try to fashion yourself a raft and get out of there? Or do you think you would just try to hunker down and hope for some somebody to come save you? If I couldn't see land anywhere, well, I don't know. I mean, who knows what you're thinking in that, that instance, right? If I, if I couldn't see land anywhere, I don't think I'd go anywhere. I think I'd try and just like bring as much, because especially if, you know, they somebody maybe knows where the plane went down, they know what general area to be looking in. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of so yeah, your circumstances probably also, will affect your early decisions. Yeah. Also, wilderness, you're way less likely to be able to be seen from the ground, like from the sky to the ground, because mm-hmm. of like tree coverage and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think maybe islands you could find. I don't know. It could be a very tree laden island as well. But if you're in the wilderness, you can walk out. Like you know. Yeah. Typically, like 
if if you can walk, you yeah. can you could you could walk back to civilization. Yeah. Uh, low odds, but you miss by a foot though on your first step. You miss by. Oh yeah. My, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess that the idea would maybe be to find a river and follow the river out. Yeah. Yeah. That'd maybe be a, a way to go. You follow it the way it flows, I guess. Yeah. The river's going out of the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I might go wilderness, but hey, the island doesn't sound too bad either. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have a favorite survival movie? Um, name some. I mean, Castaway is the only one I can think of. Castaway. Right um, do you ever see the movie The Gray with Liam Neeson? No. Really good plane crash yeah. scene. And it was like, and then the, they get hunted by wolves. Is he in this Canada? is another thing. Is yeah. He was? yeah, yeah. He was up there. They were doing like oil excavation, mm-hmm. and then all the guys were flying back, and then the plane crashes, and and um, uh, this pack of wolves comes after him. Yeah. What about uh? Oh fuck. What's the movie? Sandra Bullock, George Clooney. Or the gravity. Shows. Yeah, gravity. Gravity. <laughs> Gravity's pretty good. Um, I've always really liked the movie. It's just not. This is kind of a Disney movie, but Eight Below. With the, um, it's not a human necessarily surviving, but the dogs ah. survived down in Antarctica. Okay. Also, uh, great. <laughs> yeah. Homeward great. Bound. Great, great survival movie. <laughs> <laughs> they found shelter. They stopped. That's right. Michael J. Fox and Sassy. You think Shadow's dead? Shadow's not. Shadow's dead. not dead. Yeah. No. Great movie. I should watch yeah. that. Um, and my, I think my ultimate favorite survival movie is probably The Edge with Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. Okay. I don't, haven't seen it. Great movie. Yeah. They fight a bear. Nice. Oh, it's really good. But see, they're stranded together. Doesn't count. That's true. That's true. They they did they did survive together. But but there's a lot of it too in here. That guy counts. Yeah, they're they're one guy dies yeah. in it. Well, um, spoiler alert. I know. I just said I hadn't seen it. Sorry. <laughs> don't tell me which one dies. <laughs> uh but yeah, really good movie. They, they have to like walk out of the. They're up yeah. in Canada doing a photo shoot with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Is this like billionaire guy? Alec Baldwin's a photographer. Yeah, banging his wife. <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. All right. Okay. Quiz time. Okay. All right. We got tw- we got twenty questions. Jeez. You've got ten seconds to respond respond to each question, and this is going to determine your. Uh, ultimate survival skills quiz. Are you on BuzzFeed right now? Uh, this is how stuff works. Okay. Uh, okay. What's the single most important thing you need to survive in the wild? Water. Food, water, warmth. Go in water. Okay, good. Uh, that's the correct answer. Good job. Thanks. Uh, if you're looking for insects to eat, which ones should you avoid? Big ones, bright ones, or ugly ones? Bright ones. Bright ones. That's correct. That is correct. Although most insects are edible, a good rule of thumb is to steer clear of brightly colored ones as well as those that are hairy or pungent. Yeah, that makes sense. Bright ones, they warn their enemies. They're saying, hey, I'm toxic. Don't eat me. Hey, I'm good looking. Get out of here. Is that the idea? No, like bright colors, they're like, hey, uh, so like they're predators. It's like, I'm toxic. Don't eat me. That's like a defense mechanism for them. That's a defense mechanism. Okay, nice. Um, You're not going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a good idea to build shelter near what? Cliffs, dry riverbeds, a water source. A water source. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Correct answer. Staying near a water source is a good idea when building a shelter. <laughs> I did not come up with these questions. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, insect larvae contains a lot of protein. Where are the best places to find these insect eggs? Moist areas under rocks, attached to the nest, animal droppings. 
I was gonna say the, I was gonna say a moist areas under rocks. Uh, maybe that is sub- correct. Okay. Insect eggs can be found in moist areas under rocks and inside rotten tree logs or stumps. Yeah. Why should you try avoid sleeping directly on the ground to avoid bugs, uh-huh. to eliminate the risk of contracting disease, uh-huh. to keep from losing body heat? All of the above. <laughs> the body heat one. Body heat. That's correct, yeah. Michael. Sleeping on the ground can can lead to loss of body heat. You'll retain more warmth I by piling above, grass though. or pine needles on the ground to sleep on. Probably. Yeah. I don't want to sleep near the bugs. Um, way more enjoyable. Right. What type of food or beverages should you avoid in cases of hypothermia? Hot chocolate, trail mix, or caffeine? Caffeine. That is correct, Michael. Warm, <laughs> sweet liquids such as hot chocolate will give you the bot will give the energy give the body energy to produce heat. Proteins, fats, and carbohydrates such as trail mix can stimulate the metabolism. Caffeine is not good because it actually draws body heat to the extremities away from the core. Mm. Got it. Um, why should you melt snow or ice before drinking it? To avoid cutting your mouth on sharp ice, to avoid brain freeze, to avoid dehydration. <laughs> See, these are the dumbest questions of all time. Yeah, these are dumb. Uh, yeah, you, you know about dehydration. You don't want that. Ice dehydrates you? Wait, hold on. Why should you melt snow before you drink? You can't drink a solid. What's it asking? <laughs> don't keep going. Go Just, to the next one. Basically, if you, if you put ice in your mouth, it's okay. melting yeah, it anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, which of these wild berries are safe when ripe and cooked, but can cause nausea when eaten off the bush? Okay. Golden currants. Elderberries, raspberries. The currants. Wrong. Oh, elderberries? Elderberries contain poisons like cyanogenic glycoside, which can cause nausea and vomiting. I think so. I remember. I remember berries. How can you determine the distance of of an oncoming storm? By the time between flashes of lightning and claps of thunder? By the length of the lightning bolt? By the loudness of the thunder? The first one. Correct. Yeah. Count the number of seconds between flashes and claps and divide the number by five to estimate how many miles away the approaching storm is. An insect an insect diet can actually save your life by providing you with which of these much-needed bodily sources of energy? Protein, carbohydrates, or fat? Carbs. Oh, wrong. Wrong? Yeah, protein, baby. Okay. Um, insects actually hold more than three times the amount of protein for their size as beef. Really? Yeah. Interesting. They actually want to start feeding insects to cows. Okay. Rather than something that's a little bit feeding cows to cows or, or you're <laughs> doing <laughs> something else. Right. What do lush vegetation and swarming insects often indicate? Dead animals, water, fertile soil. Lush vegetation swarming. Water. Correct. Yeah. Ample plant life, insects, bird flight paths, and animal tracks can all point toward water sources. Which, which symptom determines if you're experiencing severe, hydra- severe hydra- dehydration? Dry mouth, rapid heartbeat, vomiting, and diarrhea. Severe dehydration. Vomiting and diarrhea. <laughs> you're probably right. Yep. Dry mouth and rapid heartbeat is a sign you guys for moderate, there? <laughs> moderate dehydration. I think this is great. Yeah. Uh, Using the simple snare, how should yes. you measure the size of the noose? Double the size of the animal's foot, the size of the animal's head, one and a half times the size of the animal's head. 
This is for like yeah, the traps. Trap. Yeah. Foot. Not killing yourself when you're out there. Foot. <laughs> Double the size of the animal's foot. Yeah. It's got to be the one and a half heads. No. Yeah. One and a half times yeah. the size of the animal's head. Yeah. Yep. Which symptom below does not indicate hypothermia? Stiff joints, cough, loss of bladder control. Bladder control. Bladder control. Wrong. What? Cough. Oh. When in extremely cold conditions, watch out for stiff joints, loss of bladder control, puffy face, mental confusion, shivering, slow pulse, loss of coordination, and slurred speech to indicate onset of hypothermia. Hmm. But not a cough. Okay. What feature of the snake is used to determine if the snake is venomous? His head. Tail, eyes, tongue. Eyes. Correct. Yeah. Um, Slit eyes. Venomous snakes tend to have elliptical pupils, while non-venomous while non-venomous snakes have round pupils. All right. Which insect is most popular edible is is the most popular edible insect in the world? Ant, grasshopper, or a beetle? Ooh, I was going to say grasshopper. But yeah, grasshopper. Ah, the beetle. Fuck. Yeah. The beetle species are the most <laughs> popular edible insect in the world. <laughs> Placing these critters over a fire will make them a sizzling delight. Mm. There you go. Yeah, find some beetles. Uh, if you're facing the sun at noon in the northern hemisphere, walking toward it will take you in what direction? <laughs> I should know this. North, south, east. South. North, south, or east? South. Correct. Yeah. Walking toward the sun at noon takes you south. Walking with the sun at your back takes you north. The opposite is true in the northern hem- in the in the southern hemisphere. How do you know when the bright side of the moon is in the west? When the moon is full? When the moon rises before sunset? When the moon rises after midnight? I don't even know what that's asking. B. Correct. Right. When the moon when the moon rises before sunset, the bright side is in the west. If it rises after midnight, its eastern side is illuminated. Okay. You probably think about that a little bit harder and th- and figure it out. Yeah. It all helps you figure out which way to go, right? Yes. Which of the following isn't a method used to start a fire without a match? The soda, the soda can and chocolate method, the battery method, the animal dung method. The first one, soda can chocolate. No, the animal dung method. A battery, a magnifying lens, and even a soda can with chocolate can be used to produce a spark for fire. Excuse me. All right. Which of the following does not provide clues to help orient you toward the north? Moss, anthills, or wind speed? This is the last question. Which of the following does not provide clues to help orient you toward the north? Anthills. Anthills. Wrong. Wind speed? Yes. While not precise directional guides, moss on trees and anthills can help you fi- can help you to figure out what direction you're facing. In the northern hemisphere, moss in the on the north side of trees will often be thicker because that side is shadier. Ant- ants often build their nests on the south or southeastern side of trees where it's warmer. Huh. That's a good thing to know. Yeah. Yeah. Your score was a 65%. Almost an expert, but not quite. Stupid test. Well, I think you can survive at 65%. Yeah. I'll give you uh, a passing grade. Good job. Thank you.
And that's it for this week's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Instagram at TMWYK underscore podcast and on Twitter at TMWYK pod. Have a great weekend and we'll see all you beautiful people for a new episode next Friday.